Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode of the show, we're going to learn how to create great, effective templates in PowerPoint with my guests, Julie Turberg and Echo Swinford. I've known Julie and Echo for several years now. First met them at the Presentation Summit, which is an annual conference held for folks who are working in the presentation field. Echo and Julie have the best, I'm not gonna say it's arguably, it is the best book on how to build better templates in PowerPoint. And the first edition of the book was really hard to get. Unfortunately, I have a, a version of that book here uh, somewhere buried in my office, but they now have a new edition of the book, which incorporates some of the new modules and features of the modern version of PowerPoint. So if you work for an organization where you and your colleagues are creating PowerPoint presentations, delivering PowerPoint presentations, maybe even creating documents or reports in PowerPoint, I really encourage you to listen to this episode and I encourage you to check out their new book on PowerPoint templates. So here we go. Here's my discussion with Julian Echo about creating better PowerPoint templates. All right, we're here. Yet another podcast virtually. Great. Uh, Echo, Julie, how are you both? Good, great to see you again. I haven't seen you in like... It's been quite a few years. <laughs> years? Since yeah, the before times. Yeah, yeah it might have been New Orleans oh, in the last uh, presentations oh, conference. Been, right? Yeah, that was a while. A long time ago. Good to see you, John. Yeah. yeah. That was like, it's good to see you. Um, yeah. So congrats on the new book. Um, now, I don't know how many people know this, but I want you to sort of lay out what the story is here. Because the first book is like uh, a rare jewel <laughs> at this point. Like getting a copy of the first edition is like holding on to gold. And now we have a new updated version. So tell me the story or tell listeners the story of like how you went from the first book and now and now getting to the second book. Um, I don't know, Julie, if you want to start. Oh, sure. Um, the first one, we, we worked with a publisher and, um, and we, we, you know, we sold, we sold some books, but it, it is a very niche market. And so we're not going to sell yeah. thousands and thousands upon thousands for years and so the publisher decided they weren't going to print anymore, right? Mm. So then the book became very expensive on the book market. <laughs> Used market. And, <laughs> on, the, on the presentation Someone black was market, trying right? to sell yeah. a copy of the book for $4,000 on Amazon. And I don't think they had any takers. For a minute. But anyway, that was a long time ago. And so Echo and I have yeah. been waiting for a few uh, developments with the software. Uh, and changes in the it, that that impacted templates, and right, um, right, so right. that was the catalyst for this updated version. So now we've got this updated version, and I want to ask about templates generally. So I've seen some people complain about templates that you know there's lots of websites out there where you can download <laughs> this template and this template, but but your book focuses on building a custom entire template for your individual or organization. Um, and some people argue that they take away this idea of creativity. So can you talk a little bit about the advantages and disadvantages of having a, in this case, a PowerPoint template and maybe, I don't know, Echo, if you want to start. Yeah. Then. Yeah, I'll start. Yeah. Um, so my opinion, and I think Julie will probably agree, is that a template is there to provide an infrastructure for you. Like what you want to do, like people in your organization, it lets them create their content without a whole lot of effort because you've got the font theme built in, you've got the color theme built in. And so things just work. 
but it also helps non-designers create consistency throughout a deck. And that's something that is difficult for them because when they look at a blank slide, like most normal people like me, you look at a blank slide and it's intimidating. But, you know, to someone like Julie, a designer, they know what to do with that. So that's what a template is for. It's not there to take care of every situation or anything like that. It's just really to give you that infrastructure so you don't have to do everything manually. But, you know, folks who say that a, that a template curtails creativity, they really need to understand that even if you're working on a blank template in PowerPoint, it's still based on a template. It still has those ugly office colors and uh, the Calibri fonts. And so anything you design right. on that blank template, we've seen them all of, we've seen them all before. Um, I can recognize right. the office theme orange and blue, you know, at a glance in HTML <laughs> in hex yeah. like but, oh, yeah. but yeah. a template, if you're, if you're creative and you're working with the template, you can go beyond those basic layouts. And you can use the color mm-hmm. theme yeah. and the font theme and the structure and design a new configuration that goes along with everything mm-hmm. else. So everything's consistent. That's all a template really is, is developing that structure for design consistency. Right. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I've learned from, from both of you many years ago was using not just the slide in PowerPoint. I know we're focused on PowerPoint, but this probably extends to most of these tools, not just the white slide itself, but using the notes pane and using the gray area around it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so how, so when you build out these templates or when a person builds out a template for their organization, um, can you talk a little bit about building in the instruction into sort of how to use it within the template itself? Yeah. Echo, go ahead. Yeah. So what you're doing there when you're building in instructions, well, like you said, you're using all of the different places, but the thing is that PowerPoint doesn't give us a really good way to build in instructions for the users. So what we've done throughout the years is honestly, we've hacked PowerPoint and we've just pushed it and used all the different features that we have available to add instructions wherever we can. Like one of the easiest things to do is to customize the prompt text, but people don't realize that you can do that. And it does have limitations, but you can still get a lot of really good information in there for people. And it's just anything that you can do to help those users understand what kind of information to put in. You know, a lot of folks at at these big companies, (laughs) hey, believe it or not, they don't use PowerPoint every day, right? Yeah, right, right. Unlike the rest. So they may pull up this template, you know, after a few weeks or a month or a couple months, and they need to Mm -hmm. re-familiarize themselves with the tools Mm -hmm. and how to use it. And anything that we can do in the template to make their job quicker and easier, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. It just seems to me, I I think you're both right on. It seems to me that a lot of people in whatever field it is, presentation design, data viz, whatever it is, sort of forget that, you know, most people that we work with don't really care all that much. They're like, they just want it to kind of look good, right? Yeah. And make it easy as possible for me. Yeah. And, oh, I was, go ahead, Julie. I got something, though. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you said something, John, in the the beginning about, you know, there are all kinds of templates that you can download and things like that. And, and, you're right. People just want stuff to look good. So they look at those templates and they download them. Those templates don't necessarily help you make your stuff look good in your branding right. because it's all built off at the slide level. It's I, not got that infrastructure I, in there. And it drives I, me crazy. Hey, I've downloaded, like, I've purchased some, I've downloaded some, most of them. 
you're missing so many parts and pieces. A lot of them, they've stripped off the slide master. They don't have any fonts mm-hmm. programmed yeah. in. You know, yeah. right. They're not saving you any yeah. time or doing yeah. you any yeah. It's just that it's well, just a one-off, right? It's like the one-off yeah. thing that I need. It's like a one-off thing. Yeah. Right. But doesn't help you down the road the way right. having it inside the organization. So Well, and then they have you, you know, you're the data viz expert here. So then they have those charts that have like what are they what do we call them? Julia yes. graphs. Like that doesn't work for anything. And yeah. like how do you do that with your oh, data? Have you ever it's seen the, a, the one with the histogram the trees instead of columns? The overlapping the, trees. The trees. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The trees, the, the like 3D that. bar charts that have oh, no data. Good. They're just like they're just decorative. Yeah. They're just decorative, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so you can download a bunch of decorative stuff, but does it really help you? in your day to day and what you're right. doing, you know, when you're trying to create charts and yeah. Anyway, enough. So, <laughs> no, no, I think that's, I think that's right. Now, I want to, I want to get back to that in a second because I want to ask about I, I, my sense is that a lot of people, at least that I talk to when they start thinking about their, um, their template, they think about font and color mm-hmm. and they sort of get that. And then they think about, okay, so how am I going to do like get to the next step or like do the template for like every type of slide and they sort of get stuck there. So I, I want to ask, this is really a two-part question, I think now, because of, of echo what you just said. So my, I guess the first question is like, what's your recommendation for those folks who maybe get stuck aside from reading the book, obviously, like that would be the first thing is read the book. But aside from like, like what's, what's the way that they can get over the hump and then to this question of like not doing this, like downloading this one-off slide, like how do you think when you're working with clients on this, like return on investment on, you're going to spend some time building the template and how much you're going to get out of it at the end of the day. So that's kind of a two-parter. So I don't know if Julie, if you oh, want to Echo, start with... Echo, you, you, either, you either reply most. first, please. I, 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 <laughs> honestly, John, I would just be happy if they would get the fonts and the colors right. <laughs> that's all <laughs> they need. <laughs> It kills me. So, you know, a template isn't going to fix all presentation problems. It's not going to. And you can't address every single potential slide configuration in your template. Have you ever seen a template and you open up the layouts gallery and there's about a hundred of them and you have to scroll through and, and then you, oh, and you're also working with those 50, 60, 70 megabyte templates. And so no one can email any files among the company. So that's what happens when you try and address everybody's issue. You just can't, and you shouldn't. Uh, In fact, our book addresses this, um, talking about a small template and a larger supplemental slide library, right? But what a template should do is it should work for everyone who's going to, who's going to use it. So what we recommend is you take mm-hmm. a look at a whole bunch of recent presentations that are done by your audience mm-hmm. and you surface those common slide types. Mm-hmm. What types of slides mm-hmm. are the people who are going to be using your new template using? That's what goes in your template. You need to right. do your homework first before you design, before you build anything. Do your homework and design the template mm-hmm. for those people, not for you. And have you found when you work with clients that people, once they sort of see the value of the template, it just like the adoption just sort of like picks up pretty quickly? Yeah. 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 It definitely does. I, I, I have a client right now who I was contacted to rebuild their template because their design agency gave them a basically a not workable template. And 
one of the issues is that they, they built it and they did their designer-ish layouts is what I call them. So they're really cool. They have really cool quotes and they have stuff like this. This is an engineering firm, okay? So all the engineers have come to these people and said, where are our layouts? Because they right. had they had a really good template to start with. Julie actually built the, and designed and built the previous one that was from years and years ago. And they need to update it while well, the agency took off with it and did crazy things. And the client has come back because the engineers are complaining because they don't have any layouts that they can use. They didn't, they didn't take their audience in mind. They just did them dirty. Uh They did them dirty. I mean, it's just, I think that that's one of the big drawbacks when people are creating templates, they forget about who's going to be using them. They build a template for themselves, not for the end users and for the people who are stuck. And like you said, how many templates, how many templates do we receive that are filled with that eye candy stuff? Seriously, John, how many quotes can you have in a presentation? (laughs) Um. (laughs) yeah no i think that's i think that's right you know and i think it comes back to what people see on a lot of these not that these sites are bad where you can download not that they're bad i'm just saying you see these things are sort of eye-catching and then you say well i'm gonna put that in my thing but yeah like you said like how Mm -hmm. many different ways you need to lay out a quote in in a single deck um, I wanted to extend this conversation just a little bit um, because I was talking to a, a student yesterday and one of the big things that they have to do is they do slide decks at their work, but the slide decks are primarily intended to be shared as documents, not as, um, not as, you know, as a presentation. So that's sort of the way they go. Mm-hmm. So how do the templates uh, work for those folks? Like, how do you think about that? And I, to be honest, I don't exactly know how this works, like why you would use PowerPoint mm-hmm. as like a document creator, but okay, fine, oh, whatever, whatever works. Yeah, Julie, yeah a lot of our clients will request talk? multiple templates, one for presentations and one okay. for documents. Other clients will ask I us see. to okay. include a few custom layouts that are designed for that purpose. Text heavy, they're just going to take mm-hmm. those slides and export a PDF and deliver that as right. a leave behind. Right. And so you can yeah. include them in the template, or if you need more looks, you know, distribute a second template that's for documents. Some of our clients don't do presentations. They only do proposals and documents do and reports. Documents. And right. PowerPoint right. gives them Report, way more templates. flexibility than Word does. Wait, you and mean they uh, don't have whole lines together to is not useful? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, exactly. go, Echo, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. But they, they don't have access to right. InDesign necessarily. So they're using PowerPoint as their um, page layout tool. They don't have right. Publisher. I don't even know if Microsoft no. makes Publisher anymore. But um, yeah. yeah, InDesign, does Quark exist? I mean, InDesign is the only thing I can even think of that's a right. page layout tool anymore. And, and people don't have access to it. And the learning curve is big for a typical person yeah. who would be using PowerPoint. So right. yeah, it's the de facto page layout. Yeah. We do um, reporting templates like Julie has, Julie was saying. We do those all the time for our consulting firm clients. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done newsletter templates yep. for a couple of my clients. and Proposal yeah, templates. They can move stuff around um, more easily. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing I do is participant guides with um, – and then you take it into Acrobat and you add um, you add editable text fields for the audience so they don't have to print anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a very specific question, but it's something that comes up. I get this question a lot. So, um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna tap into the PowerPoint knowledge before we get back to templates. So uh, I have a lot of people who who they lay out they want to do a document, so they lay out their slide eight and a half by eleven, 
and then they're going to burn it out mm -hmm. as a PDF. So some people will come to me and say, well, I've built in my one inch margins in mm -hmm. the slide itself before burning it out sure. to a PDF. And some say, well, I don't need to do that because when I convert it, it's going to add the margins in or when I print it, if they're printing, it, it's going to build it in. So what's your approach to that? I can tell you what I do. I set up the page size for eight and a half by 11 and I export a PDF and it's a hundred percent eight and a half by 11. And do you build in the margins, the one inch margins in PowerPoint or let the, the conversion? When you say one inch it? margins, it, it, that sounds like it's for a specific purpose. The margins that yeah, I use yeah. are, are um, specific to whatever document I'm creating. To whatever. Um, and they use guides. Gotcha. You're mm -hmm. using guides and placeholder positioning. Don't think about uh, margins like Word. PowerPoint's not yeah. going to push everything inside of a set margin like Word can. So you have right. to set up your elements in that, in those. Yeah, in the, mm -hmm. within, yeah. The, within the frame, yeah. What I would say is, so a couple of things with setting up margins and pages. When you set up your page in PowerPoint, if you choose letter, U.S. letter, it's actually, it already adds an inch. It makes your page size an inch smaller all the oh, way around. Size, right. So you have to use a custom size and set up eight and a half by 11 specifically to yep. get that eight and a half by 11 file. So once you have that, then like Julie said, put your guides in to set your margins. But honestly, I would recommend exporting a PDF and looking at it to see, because there are different settings that you can put in your print settings and your PDF settings. And depending on how you're creating your PDF, it may add more margin than not. Mm -hmm. So run a test to see if it looks right to your eye. So that leads me to another, another question. When you're working with a client and you're building a template for them or you're teaching them how to make templates, do you encourage them or do you test with multiple people at the organization? Do you encourage them to test it? And like, what does that look like? Are you like, here's the deck, go, you know, here's the template, go make a deck. Or like, what does that, what does that process look like? Go ahead, Echo. Well, yeah. So generally speaking, we build in a couple of weeks for testing in the timeline. So Julie will do design. Um, we get, we get our feedback. We, you know, whatever we build the, we build the template. And then when I build it, the first draft, it's solid. They could use it. They could roll it out, but I ask them to test with a small group. Mm. So they should pick, you know, five or 10 people. They should probably have some people who are really super savvy and they should probably have some people who are not and then have them test that template, build slides with that template, see what works for them, see what doesn't. And then we'll sometimes give them a list of things to check specifically. Like make sure that when you add text here, like do you want it to shrink the text? If you want that to behave differently, let us know. Um, mm. Does this color work for you on the background? That kind of thing. Usually uh, I've found it's a little bit easier. Folks, folks really think they know a lot about PowerPoint, but they don't. And so I've, yeah. um, the last few clients, I've distributed uh, the how-to guide that's a companion to the template mm -hmm. and maybe a template system with a big library. Okay. And it has instructions in there mm -hmm. for how to get this from here to here, but also how to up-level older presentations by copying content into the oh. new template. If you, yeah. if you miss a few yeah. of those pieces during the testing phase, mm -hmm. all your feedback's going to be, well, this doesn't work with my old slides. <laughs> Right. Oh, you have to teach right. them how to do it. Right. So you yeah. you you've both been doing this for a while. Are you still seeing people moving from four three to sixteen nine, or have we sort of like kind of finally gotten to the widescreen and we're kind of there? I think we're over the hump. 
Oh, really? Really I saw one a couple of days uh, ago and I was like, really? We're still doing four I, three? I do have a lot of clients who still do 4-3 and they are the ones who are doing reporting. They are printing. They are specifically uh, still printing, physically okay. printing. Now, most I of see. them are creating PDFs as well, but especially the financial firms, they are like, they just, their heads are in that four by three space. Right. And sometimes I can't get them out of it. But gotcha. a lot of them are also asking for a 16 by nine option as well. I think they're going to find that moving back and forth really sucks. Yeah. And they're eventually going to settle on widescreen. Yeah. Will right. be my guess. Yeah. That's my guess. It, it would be interesting, you know, without the pandemic, if that would have accelerated even faster, right? Because it's it's kind it's almost like when you're on Zoom, it kind of almost doesn't matter because you can adjust your Zoom screen. Um, uh-huh. You can still see it, but like you know, when you're in the real world and you're presenting, well, it's all widescreen TV. You know, stuff. except you've got folks who are using their iPads more and more, and those are four by three. Yeah. Um, yeah some laptop screens are four by three. So. Right. I think the pandemic revealed yeah, that yeah. we still have a need for both now and then. Right. But yeah. I, I don't see any, I, I think I've seen one four by three come, come across in the last year. That That's interesting about the iPad. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, that that's true. That's really interesting. Um, okay. Because I can think of like four or five clients I have right now who are doing four by three <laughs> for in the last couple of months. Right. But it's a lot of financial and reporting. Yeah. yeah okay. We'll All right. So kind of, a, but it's sort of a uh, unique uh, use case. Um, yeah. Okay. So specifically to templates, what, and I'm going to let you each answer, see if we get different answers. I should have had you write it down first. Um, what's your number one rule or recommendation when it comes to uh, not using, but creating the template. So if I'm the head designer mm-hmm. at my firm, I'm creating the template. What's your number one rule? So uh, Julie, you want to sure. go first? Like what's your number one rule? Do not, do not add or remove placeholders from any of the default layouts in PowerPoint. So when you go to the slide master view, those nine layouts that show up first, don't add or remove any placeholders from those. If you need something that has an additional placeholder or maybe you wanted to delete one or whatever, always go in and insert a brand new custom layout and add placeholders to that. You can have them match the look of your existing placeholders, but don't add or remove any from those default ones. It breaks the connection between um, existing templates and your new templates. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really good. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Echo, number one rule recommendation. So I have two. The first one is you should save as a template, an actual true template. So by that, we mean save as POTX at least once while you're creating your template. Mm. That strips out those variants. So if you do change slide size or if you click one of those by mistake, it won't override all of your custom formatting because I've seen people just lose everything that they've worked on when you switch slide size. So you have to strip those variants and saving as POTX does that. After you save the files POTX, you can save it as a PPTX later and use the PPTX for distribution or whatever, but that save as POTX function breaks that connection and you want to break that connection in that. So it's an important thing that gets overlooked because it just came into fruition maybe in like yeah, I think we, I think. I think we put it in 36 point text in the book. (laughs) Like we repeated it every three pages or something like save as POTX, just do it once. Like, just trust me, just do it once. But um, the other thing honestly is set up your font theme. 
people do not know to set up the font theme and what you're doing when you do that. Like they'll, they'll apply a font to the placeholders, but they won't set up the font theme. And what you're doing is you're setting up all of your users to set, to create Frankindex at that point, mm -hmm. because your placeholders, when you type text, will use whatever you've formatted there, but everything else uses the font theme. So when you create a chart or a smart art or a table, you use the font theme. Yeah. And so if they don't match, like, like people can't see the difference between those fonts. If you have Calibri as your font theme and you've put Arial on your placeholders, most people can't see that difference. Julie can see it at a glance, but I like, I don't pay attention to it a lot of times. And so you'll get caught out with that and you'll end up with the, all these mismatched fonts. And it well, and also as we've, as we've more. discovered recently, some of those fonts are nearly thing. impossible to, re to replace in charts. So, um, yeah. so you're just doing yes. everyone a disservice. So take yeah. a few minutes and set up the font theme. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Okay, mm -hmm. great. All right. So now I want to ask about PowerPoint specifically because it has um, the tool has evolved pretty dramatically over the last <laughs> what five years, I'd say probably. Um, so I want to get your sense of your least favorite part of PowerPoint and your and your most favorite part of PowerPoint. So we'll go maybe we'll we'll go backwards this time. So we'll start with Echo. So your your least and most favorite part of I don't know what I mean by part um, to be honest. Like I guess specific tool part aspect. I know. Yeah. My least favorite thing. <clears throat> my least favorite thing about PowerPoint. I mean, okay, so I have to say I I love PowerPoint. There's so much good about it. I got to throw that out there. But there are so many like little things that just drive me batshit. I can't even. <laughs> just some <laughs> things just make me crazy. But honestly, the biggest thing and the biggest time suck I think are the charting and table tools. I think they suck. They suck really bad. I think the fact that we cannot create our own custom styles for charts and tables is just I just, oh my God, they need love so bad. Right. It's just low hanging fruit. I don't know why they haven't done anything with them. The tables are embarrassing. They're just embarrassing. <laughs> they, are, they are embarrassing. Yeah. That is the best word to describe them. It's actually interesting now that you, I hadn't really thought about this, but it's the charting library in Illustrator is also like God awful. So like what, oh. like what? I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say about that, but you know, so I have, like this, this I, I, when I have to work from PowerPoint to Illustrator and InDesign, yeah. every chart is manually manipulated so that it's yeah. exacting, yeah. brought into Illustrator, mm -hmm. converted for InDesign, and right. it's a lot right. more work. But I can, yeah. I can take advantage of chart styles for some of that. We can't yeah. create an actual chart style that will travel with a template. And we can't like, there's no one click, like add direct labeling. Like what right. the hell yeah. Microsoft, right. come right. on, low hanging fruit. I can't even position those <laughs> yeah, data labels properly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, oh, it's so it's mad. Infuriating. I can't even, it is infuriating. That yeah. is a good word for it. Yeah, it's it really is. I mean, it's, I will say it's gotten better. Like I was very much no. like, well, no, I, I, I was always, I, up until maybe three years ago, I was like, I will never insert a chart directly in PowerPoint. <clears throat> I would always make it in Excel and then pipe it over because the PowerPoint Excel handoff was always so bad. It just seems to have oh, gotten yeah, like no. the handoff is better now. Yeah. Um, I, but it's still like all these it. other things you can't yeah. control or stop. But honestly, 
But John, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it in PowerPoint or in Excel, because quite frankly, the only, the biggest difference I would say is that PowerPoint starts with dummy data. And that's yeah. actually one of the tips that I give my students is if you don't know how a chart is supposed to, how the data should be set up, do it in PowerPoint because it gives you the dummy data. So for yeah. example, tree map, I have no idea what, what Excel is looking right. for, for a tree map. And so if I create it in PowerPoint, I have dummy data. I'm like, oh, and then I can go to Excel and set it up that way if I need to. Or I can create it in PowerPoint using that dummy data because you can click the button and open the full Excel yeah. thing. So you have all the Excel tools right, right there. Just people don't know to do that. Yeah. So I don't care if I'm charting in PowerPoint or Excel, to be honest, because right. to me, it's really the same. It's the just same that thing. I don't have to add yeah. the data. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's a really that good idea. Yeah. No, that's a really yeah. good idea. Um, okay, Julie, yeah. uh, least and most favorite parts ah, of the PowerPoint. least favorite, uh, the text formatting <laughs> tools from hell. <They're... laughs> you don't like the, the drop <laughs> shadow no, 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 and the no, outline? No, and not the that bubble. text formatting. <laughs> line, well, the, too, the, the, the ancient dialogue boxes for line and paragraph spacing oh. and bullet characters and yeah. numbering and all that. They're so bad and so old, and, and mm -hmm. they really don't help us at all with presentation text. They didn't even help in Word. They don't help yeah. in PowerPoint. That, right. That's, right. that's my least favorite yeah. area of the program. And I have to use it every single day. So. Oh. Uh, yeah. I have to throw in one. No, other. go ahead. Oh, you're gone, Jules. I'm sorry. I was thinking, I thought you go were ahead. finished. All right. So I, one other for me related to templates specifically is the whole template ecosystem is what I will call it. I think mm. that the, I think that things like font themes and color themes, they're not real obvious to people. It's not obvious yeah. what's happening to them, but also it's really, really difficult to get to your custom template. If you don't want to use a Microsoft stock theme, you got to jump through some hoops. Yeah. And it, I mean, IT can strip out all of that stuff. Your IT staff can strip that out and can push yours and all of that. It's really hard for them to do and they don't yeah. all know how to do it. And if you're a small, you know, very small firm, you may not have someone doing that kind of thing. So it's it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. It should be so much more obvious and so much more easy. I 100% agree with that. That is one of the biggest hiccups I have to getting people to, even just to make a color palette in Excel, and share it with their oh, with their colleagues. I know. Like you I have know. to go like seven layers deep into your into your Finder Explorer window to find that XML uh -huh. file. It's just mm -hmm. it's un well. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Beyond my skill set to know whether it's unnecessarily difficult, but it's definitely <laughs> difficult. So it is difficult. Yeah. So you asked also about our favorite favorite yeah, your part. Favorite. Um, recently, yeah. <laughs> last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. The cloud fonts, Microsoft cloud fonts. Um, as a designer, yeah. I mean, it's, I've been waiting for this forever. And um, there's hundreds of new fonts, and so many of them will make beautiful presentation theme fonts. But the coolest thing is um, more and more, I think all of my clients right now are in the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. So they, they can use these cloud fonts in their files and no one needs to embed them or install them. They are automatically downloaded from the cloud whenever someone opens up a document with these fonts. Um, so anyway, seeing more and more uh, global uptick on the M365 users. And so cloud yeah. fonts is my probably my favorite new, new feature. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And I think uh, I just saw Nolan Hames posted a link to someone has That's a new mine, guide. John. And it was lovely. 
Well, that's well, yours. Okay. Is the <laughs> author of the Microsoft Perfect. So this, I don't know if you all know this woman fully. Yeah. And it's like, what, like 300 it has, pages? Uh, it has a visual example of all of the cloud fonts, and it's constantly updated as the as Microsoft adds new fonts to the service. I update the guide and post a new one. It's also linked Great. from Microsoft's cloud font page. So if you're on their page, it links to my site so you can access the guide that way. But it's on Design to Present under the on the publications okay. page. Yeah, um, I have it right here on my desktop. I will. Uh, I'll link to that so people can can uh, grab but it because it's it's. If it's they don't know what cloud yeah. fonts are, the site has an article explaining what you need to know, and the caveats okay. also. Yeah. If you're going to have folks right. using Office versions, you don't. If you don't know what Office version they're on, you know you need to be aware of some of these issues. Right. Right. Um, Echo, I don't think we got a chance of your favorite. Favorite. So I was thinking about this and, um, you know, I kind of have a love hate relationship with designer, <laughs> but it's another one of those, you know, those non-obvious things, you know, sometimes I like, I really like being able to just, especially with my clients and stuff, they, they can just choose one of those designer things and you yeah. can up level your slide and it's really good for one off. My issue with it is it has some issues. And so it's, it's sometimes hard to get back to the design. Mm -hmm. And people don't know how to use one of those designer options for the whole file. And yeah. if you insert it in a new slide, like if, you, if you're creating a title slide with a new deck and you do a designer thing, you choose a designer look, it will apply to the whole deck. But it's not obvious that it's doing that. So I struggle with that obviousness and things like that. But on the positive side, if you construct your template correctly, it will work mm -hmm. with designer and designer will push the layouts that you are in, using in, in brand your in your template so your users can yeah so yeah. the users can select those in select brand on, yeah that's on, great on brand that's layouts great. so i i'm kind of you know i got to give designer a shout out they've done a nice job with it i think i mean i part. feel the same way i kind of like it especially when it's quick and dirty um i don't like the mm -hmm. fact that when you lay stuff out like the background part of the slide is fixed like you know it'll give you like <laughs> the two photographs next to each other and they're nicely cropped and everything. Then the background is gray. It's like, well, I want it to be blue. Well, mm -hmm. you have to I, start over. I believe you can copy oh. those elements to a new slide and you could, you could create your own background. Yeah. You, there are yeah, ways to get around version, it, but, but I, yeah. I really yeah. like this. You can select in the selection. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So the, yeah. the designer is anyway. great for that you know quick down and dirty yeah. you've got yeah. like i was telling echo you've got a series of five photos right and you need to yeah. get them arranged in a yeah. grid on a slide use designer bring them yeah. back into your own yeah. bring it back into your own deck yeah absolutely that's that's what i that's what i use it for all the time like let it do the work for the cropping mm -hmm. and layout and the arrangement work for you and then you know then throw that stuff away and just use it on yeah. your own on your own <laughs> um uh, so before we go, um, you are both setting up LinkedIn learning classes. Is that right for this year? So what are what yep. are the classes on? Mine is uh, basic techniques for data visualization. So toning down color, um, how to highlight certain data points. I can't even talk, <laughs> can I? <laughs> how to how to highlight certain data points? Uh, different chart types. I think I'm going to talk about you know, some alternatives to pie charts, you know, things yeah. like that. That's great. Uh, Julie, what about yours? Slide design makeovers. 
Oh, yep. nice. Okay, so taking yeah, your boring uh, common the, the, common slide types and turning them into something that's a little bit more appealing, visually appealing, and and right. uh, helping the non-designer get get a little bit more yeah. creative with their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll link to both your sites so people can uh, check them out and look forward to the the learning uh, classes. And then um, I want to make sure I mentioned the presentation guild that you were both founding members of. And Echo, I think you are still teaching the boot camps, right? Yep, I've yeah. been working on certifications for the last couple of years, and uh, you know, Glenna was and Glenna Shaw was instrumental in getting our specialist level out there. And we launched that a couple of years ago. And then I think just in the last couple of weeks, we've launched the expert level. So I've been working on that. We'll teach awesome. a boot camp geared for that in the next couple of um, weeks. That's great. Well, thanks mm-hmm. you both for uh, for coming on the show. Thanks for another version of the book. I'll see if I can sell my first edition for like five grand on Amazon now. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> has screenshots of that four grand thing, I need them because I didn't take a screenshot. <laughs> thanks you both. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Always fun. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that. hope you learned a lot. One last thing before I let you go. Check out my new Winnow community. It's a new app where I send about two or three text messages a week with a great data visualization or a great technique or tip or strategy. I'm also sending out coupon codes for conferences uh, that I'm speaking at or that others are speaking at that I have been sent. And so I'm sharing those with you. And you can get a free week to check it out, see if you want to uh, receive those text messages. And then after that, it's only five bucks a month. I send only two or three text messages. It goes right to your phone. You can get some great data viz content delivered right into your hand. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the show. Until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.